Welcome to Alpha Coding Podcast, an all-access pass to medical coding and billing pro tips that help you start your week off smarter. And now, here is your host, Tony L. Holmes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alpha Coding Podcast series. I'm your host, Tony L. Holmes. Welcome to episode 63 of the podcast. Today is March 15th, and I just want to give a huge shout out to all of my listeners, all of my supporters, all of the new listeners. The download numbers have been off the charts, so I am so grateful for all of your support. Today, we're going to cover a topic that needs to be on everybody's radar, and that's how to minimize revenue leakage. This is something I encounter almost every single day in my consulting practice, and I want to give you some great pro tips to help minimize revenue leakage in your organization. So before we dive into our topic, it's time for your Monday dose of positivity, the Mindset Monday tip, and it's brought to you by Cario. Is your EHR giving you headaches and impacting your cash flow? With Cario's integrated solution, you can rest assured knowing that Cario will deliver a complete technology suite that allows providers to effortlessly manage all functions of their practice in one place. This means less paperwork, increased patient satisfaction, happier providers, and better outcomes. Visit our website, alphacodingexperts.com, and head over to the Deals and Discounts tab for a link to access exclusive pricing. So our Mindset Monday tip is all about embracing failure. I talk about this all the time, but it's so important. The quote I want to share with you says, people who avoid failure also avoid success. And this is so true. Most people live their entire lives paralyzed by the fear of failure that they don't go after any of their goals, any of their dreams, because they're so crippled by that fear of failing. And it certainly doesn't help that we're programmed in our education system to believe that we should never get a failing grade. We should never fail. We should always strive for that A+. And that's just not how life works. And if you're a parent, think about when your baby is learning how to walk, they have to fall down many, many times before they get the hang of it. And that is so true in life. So don't buy into that idea that you have to avoid failure to achieve society's version of success. You will fail your way to success many, many times over. And it's best to embrace that and know that success comes with many failures. So today we're going to cover my top 10 pro tips for minimizing revenue leakage. So my guest last week, Rosemeen Bapat, we did an interview about streamlining revenue cycle management, and it got me inspired to dive deeper into a topic that I encounter almost every single day in my consulting practice, and that is revenue leakage in healthcare organizations. And this type of revenue leakage is what causes independent practices to have to shut their doors. So when I try to conceptualize revenue leakage, I think about a giant bucket that's filled with water and that bucket has a bunch of small holes in it. And this is a perfect analogy for healthcare organizations. No matter how much water you're pouring into that bucket, no matter how hard you're working, if you have revenue leakage coming out of that bucket, aka all of these holes that are just leaking water, and no matter how much water you're pouring into that bucket, you won't be able to pour enough water in that bucket to ever fill the bucket because there's all these small holes that are causing leakage. And this is a powerful metaphor for healthcare organizations because no matter how many patients you see, no matter how much work you do, if you don't fix those leakage areas, then you're basically working against yourself. 
and this is going to look and apply differently to every organization, whether you're an independent practice or you're hospital owned, everybody struggles with revenue leakage areas. So the tips I'm going to share with you are going to be generally applicable across all settings. And this brings me to my pro tip number one, make sure all provider credentialing is accurate and up to date. I cannot tell you how many times I have found credentialing issues when I'm conducting a compliance audit. It is so important that you keep this on your radar constantly and make sure that your provider's credentialing was set up correctly from the beginning. So from the beginning of when they created their NPI and all of their PECOS information, if they're enrolled with Medicare, you have to make sure that their specialty taxonomy code is accurate and up to date. And I cannot tell you how many times I have seen, especially in multi-specialty practices, is where a sports medicine provider is designated as a primary care physician or an interventional cardiologist is set up as a general cardiologist. These types of credentialing issues can have systemic effects on the revenue cycle. And it absolutely affects their coding of new versus established patient services. So provider credentialing is definitely an area that's often overlooked. And you want to make sure that this is monitored regularly. This is not something that just goes into a file cabinet and you never think about it again. There are revalidations. There are recertifications that have to be done. So you really have to keep a watchful eye on the provider credentialing. The revenue cycle is so much bigger than submitting a claim. It starts way before that. And it's imperative that everybody understands the big picture because if provider credentialing is not set up correctly, you're going to have so many unnecessary headaches. Pro tip number two, review your payer contracts at least once per year. I cannot tell you the number of times I have conducted revenue cycle management assessments and the coders, the billers, the RCM professionals have never seen the payer contracts. They have no knowledge of where these documents are, what their rates entail, and this is doing them a big disservice. So it's really important that not only multiple roles have access to this information, but that you're also renegotiating your payer contracts. I've heard organizations that have never renegotiated their contracts or even initiated a conversation, and you can do that. As providers, you have a lot of leverage. Now, insurance companies will tell you, we don't negotiate rates, but that's simply not true. And you want to make sure that all of your revenue cycle management professionals are aware of the terms of your contract, specifically if you're on a fee-for-service payment methodology, if you're participating in any alternative or advanced payment models, or with some organizations, a capitation payment model, or a hybrid model, which would be a mix of capitation and fee-for-service. This is also a good time to identify any payers that are giving you a lot of trouble. So are you getting unnecessary claims denials? Maybe the insurer is slow to pay claims. Maybe you have a high insurance AR in the 120 days and older category for certain insurance payers. These are the types of things that you want to monitor on a regular basis because it may be time for your provider to go back to the table and say, we're not going to participate in this plan anymore until you guys figure out your stuff on the claims processing side. So these are all things that have to be constantly evaluated and constantly monitored in order to minimize revenue leakage. Pro tip number three, ensure accurate patient data capture. So Rosemine talked about this a lot, but I cannot stress this enough. Your patient demographics, patient insurance, 
how your insurances are set up in your practice management system, regularly scanning insurance cards, making sure that you're getting the front and the back of the insurance card, asking patients on a regular basis, has any of their information changed, mailing address, if they're part of their spouse's plan, making sure that you have their spouse's information. All of this has to be really dialed in and there should be a QA process in place to ensure that this information is being captured accurately. If you don't get something as simple as the patient's date of birth, the patient's gender, maybe you type the wrong subscriber ID information in, maybe you picked the wrong insurance plan that was set up in the practice management system, all of these things are going to affect timely claims processing. So it's absolutely imperative that you have QA process in place. And as Rosamine talked about in the last episode, regular front desk training, because most of the time, these are the folks that are capturing that initial patient data intake. Pro tip number four establish robust patient eligibility, prior authorization, and collections, workflows, and processes. So I cannot emphasize this enough. It's not enough to just capture accurate patient data. You also have to verify eligibility and benefits prior to rendering any services. That's really your opportunity to identify who's taking care of the bill. Is it the insurance company? And if it is the insurance company, does the patient have an out-of-pocket, a co-insurance or a copay that would need to be collected up front to ensure any insurance payments would be applicable? A lot of times at the beginning of the year, healthcare organizations forget that these benefits restart. And so there's a lot of missed revenue opportunity because if you let the patient walk out of the door without collecting up front, your chances of getting paid decrease significantly and the cost of of collecting that money is going to be much higher than if you had done so up front. And then, of course, you have to know the difference between the HMO, PPO plans, and if the patient requires a prior authorization prior to seeing a specialist or if you need to get prior authorization for a procedure, a medication, or a surgery. All of these things have to be dialed in and that affects the patient collections process. So if the patient is going to need to pay a surgery deposit or they're going to need to set up a payment plan because it's going to be a large expense, there has to be tracking mechanisms across departments to ensure that these activities are taking place. Pro tip number five, let coders be coders. So there was a big push with EHRs and electronic medical records trying to replace the cost of coders and billers. So what they did is they came in and they sold all of these systems that can't actually replace coders or billers. And so what's happened is there's been a lot of consolidation of departments and shifting the burden that really should be on coders to providers to put their initial codes in and then have coders spot check certain high risk things. This is is a recipe for disaster. We all know as coding professionals, as revenue cycle management professionals, we had to spend a lot of time in the trenches learning all of the tricks of the trade. And this is not an easy job despite what technology companies may think. There is a significant human element to being a coder. And there's a lot of subjectivity in some of the things that we do. So simply put, EHRs are not going to replace coders. So it's important that coders not only advocate for themselves, but recognize recognize their value in the greater picture. You offer a lot of valuable expertise that your providers will appreciate. So let the coders verify evaluation and management levels. We'll let them verify when there may be add-on code opportunities or things like units on drugs, vaccines, vaccine administration codes. 
And then, of course, we have concepts like NCCI edits, MUEs, the LCDs and NCDs. I know this is acronym central over here, but these are specific areas that coders have training and expertise in that most often providers aren't even aware of. So moral of the story, let coders be coders. Pro tip number six, let billers be billers. So contrary to what a lot of people think, coding and billing are very separate processes. Coding is the process of taking the provider's documentation and translating it into codable instances. But coders also have to understand a lot of things that billers have to understand in terms of what can be reported and what can't be reported. So concepts like upcoding, downcoding, unbundling, these are really cross-role in that billers and coders have to be aware of these concepts. But billers play an important role in facilitating all of the back and forth between the provider and the insurance company and also with patients directly. So billers have to be intimately familiar with interpreting claims denials, payer policies, doing first and second and even sometimes third level appeals. And then an area that I see most commonly missed is having billers ascertain that the payment rates that they're getting from insurance companies are in alignment with the payer contracts. So this is why billers need to understand what your payer contracts are because they're the ones that are looking at these payment remittances to determine whether or not Blue Cross Blue Shield is paying you in accordance with your contract. So some of these micro level details can actually lead to significant revenue leakage. Pro tip number seven, invest in regular ongoing staff training. So your medical staff, your front desk staff, your RCM professionals, your providers, everybody needs ongoing regular training. This needs to be cross-departmental because you would be surprised how much overlap the front desk and people in scheduling have with RCM. They have to understand these basic concepts with regards to codes, with regards to the types of insurance plans. It only benefits you to have team members that understand the bigger picture. So cross-departmental training is critical. Everybody needs to be on the same page when there are changes, when there are updates. It should not be siloed. It should not be hidden information. Everybody needs to understand the big picture and how they fit in facilitating that big picture. So oftentimes I'll hear people in the C-suite say, oh yeah, we'll do training once every three years. You're really doing yourself a disservice. You need to be doing regular ongoing training and you will be surprised the things that come out in these group trainings as far as assumptions people have made, non-compliance that has been discovered, so much amazing communication that is facilitated with these training opportunities. So never underestimate the value of regular ongoing staff training. Pro tip number eight, Keep your providers involved, engaged, and invested. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen organizations shut their providers out. They're not included in the conversation, and it's not a situation where an open dialogue is encouraged. And this is one of the biggest mistakes you can make because your providers are the captain of the ship. And if they're not there seeing and treating patients, then nothing else can happen. So it's imperative that you keep them involved in the conversation. 
person, have that regular training and encourage those open dialogues. Avoid working in silos. This is something I see, especially as organizations get bigger and bigger. There's a lot of silos and this leads to a lot of unnecessary revenue leakage. And one of the best ways to communicate with providers if you're talking to them specifically about their clinical documentation is to use their own examples. Don't talk in hypotheticals. Take their documentation and use it to explain the concept that you're trying to articulate. This is powerful and it shows the provider that you are intimately familiar with their documentation practices, their style, and you want them to be aware of the gaps you may have identified. Also, if you have the opportunity to designate a provider champion or a physician advisor to help streamline communication efforts with the providers, that is going to be an invaluable resource to you. I have found in my experience that providers take information better from other providers than they do from non-clinicians. This is not always necessarily the case because some organizations, all of the providers are amazing and they're invested in the process. So having these provider champions can be a very powerful tool in minimizing revenue leakage. Pro tip number nine, quality payment programs should not be ignored. These programs are not going away. A lot of people think that these programs are going to go away and they've avoided participating in MIPS and APMs. They've avoided all of the meaningful use and PQRS programs. All of this stuff is just getting bigger and bigger. So it's not going away. It's evolved a lot from the beginning stages of meaningful use, stage one, stage two, stage 20, PQRS. We've seen so much evolution to now, if you are not reporting and participating in at least MIPS, you're looking at a negative 9% payment adjustment on your Medicare payments. That percentage is only going to go up. And you definitely want to make sure that you're leveraging technology and automation tools specifically with QPP reporting and that you have a designated point person or department that is constantly overseeing your QPP reporting and keeping up to date with the changes. Things are continuing to rapidly change and this is something that you do not want to ignore. I cannot tell you how many times I do assessments and providers tell me, oh, I don't even bother with that. It's not worth my time. This is something that is going to continue to get bigger and bigger and should not be ignored. Pro tip number 10, recognize the only thing that is constant in healthcare is change. And this could not be more true. Just when you think you have it all figured out, you've got everything dialed in, changes come along. We have changes with CBT on an annual basis. We have regular updates to HCPCS codes. We have our annual ICD-10-CM updates, ICD-10-PCS updates if you're working in the facility world. So many changes that are constantly coming our way that we have to be aware of. In addition to changes in the federal registrar, we have OPPS, we have IPPS, so many things that we have to keep a watchful eye on. And healthcare organizations have to make smart strategic business decisions and constantly evaluate and monitor trends in the market. Things have changed so much in the last five to 10 years that the status quo, that complacency mindset is not going to be beneficial to you as things continue to evolve and change. Sometimes you can benefit from an outside perspective, like an outside consultant. Having those outside eyes come in and tell you whether or not you are compliant 
and uncovering some of those revenue leakage areas can be worth its weight in gold. I've had organizations tell me that they've never had an outside consultant come in and do an RCM assessment and that it was so worth it and they wish that they had done it sooner. So the only thing that is constant in healthcare is change. We need to embrace it and constantly be adaptable. So grab a pen and paper to summarize my top 10 pro tips for minimizing revenue leakage. Number one, make sure all provider credentialing is accurate and up to date. Number two, review payer contracts at least one time per year. Number three, ensure accurate patient data capture. Number four, establish robust patient eligibility, prior authorization, and collection workflows and processes. Number five, let coders be coders. Number six, let billers be billers. Number seven, invest in regular ongoing staff training. Number eight, keep your providers involved, engaged, and invested. Number nine, quality payment programs should not be ignored. Number 10, recognize the only thing that is constant in healthcare is change. So it's time for this week's coding pro tip, and it's brought to you by RadRx. Are you interested in mastering a new specialty and going after a shiny new specialty credential? If the CIRCC credential is calling your name, then look no further. RadRx is your one-stop shop go-to resource for all things interventional radiology. The Cracking the IR Code on Demand course is a turnkey guide for cracking this complex and highly compensated specialty. Make that investment in yourself today and visit RadRx.com and mention my code ALPHA10 for exclusive pricing. If you have a coding-related question and would like it to be featured in one of our coding pro tips, please reach out to me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. So this week's coding pro tip comes to us from California. Hi, Tony. Your show is very inspiring for coders. Your knowledge is endless, and my organization is so grateful to have you as our go-to expert. I'm really confused about laboratory testing for COVID-19. What is the difference between the U-codes and the CPT codes for COVID-19 testing. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for your kind words and support. I love working with your organization. So there's a lot of confusion about these UHIC-PIC codes versus the lab codes in the CPT manual. So the codes U0001 through U0005, the biggest difference is going to be the type of testing that is being used whether it's done in a CDC or a non-CDC approved lab, and then if they're using any type of advanced or high throughput technologies. So you want to make sure the codes that you're reporting are in alignment with the testing that's actually being rendered to the patients and that you have the appropriate technology to report those codes. So I hope that points you in the right direction. Please remember to hit that subscribe button now so you never miss another episode. Also, be sure to drop us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We really appreciate your support. So this concludes today's episode. Until next week, thank you for listening to the Alpha Coding Podcast. We'll see you next Monday. For more information about medical coding and billing pro tips, including how to hire Alpha Coding experts, follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or visit our website at www.alphacodingexperts.com.